Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Blue Jays Bites podcast brought to you by Scriptown Brewing. My name is Bryant Ott. Along with me tonight is Matt DeMarinas. Say hello, Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello. So, back after a week with almost every fall, I think all the fall sports were off campus this week, Matt. So, you probably just what posted up in the championship center um, in front of, you know, that whole bank of televisions. Basketball was off, too. So you just probably got a lot of YouTube viewing in with uh, with men's soccer on the road and and uh, and volleyball on the road as well. So tell us a little bit about how you spent the weekend watching the Blue Jays. Honestly, I didn't leave my living room. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I know some people think that's the same place as the championship. Some people think I live down there, but um, no, I saved on gas this weekend because everybody was gone. So it was good to go. You know what's amazing though? YouTube. I like last year I. Uh, I cut the cord, so now I have, like, Hulu and all that stuff and, like, the Amazon Fire Stick and whatnot. Sure. Like, I don't – first of all, I don't know if anybody's listening why you guys still pay for cable. <laughs> hey, we're, we, like, we cut our cord here at home, too. It's unreal how cheap this stuff is. And, like, you get everything – basically everything that cable provided. I don't understand. Anyway. Um, so, like, YouTube, TV or whatever, I have one – I have that. So, like, both great soccer matches uh, – against Grand Canyon in South Florida. I came in like picture perfect, crystal clear on the big screen. So that was good. To it was a good setup. Yeah. Pretty nice setup. Um, speaking with men's soccer first, let's just jump right into them. So they go one and one on the weekend. They lose at Grand Canyon on Friday. And then on Labor Day, they go to South Florida. So they, we talked about it last week, but their travels over the Labor Day weekend would rival any, you know, family trying to get one last cross country trip in before School starts out east or something, but they go to South Florida. They go to, uh, all the way to Tampa, and they, they score twice uh, to start the match. They give up one in the second half, and then they hold on for dear life there. Things got a little chippy toward the end of that match. Why don't you, uh, if you could, Matt, just tell us your overall impressions of those two matches for El Marble, the vicious team, this weekend. Well, you could definitely tell the first thing that was apparent towards the end was that that trip took a lot out of them because they didn't have much gas left in the tank towards the end of that South Florida match. They were yeah, crazy. stuff got a little sloppy, didn't it? Yeah, they were just really they were reeling, you know. They were it was it was it was definitely they definitely survived for sure. I think that's a good way to put it from from my perspective because I mean they built that early lead for sure and they looked good in those first twenty minutes or so. I definitely thought um, both of their goals were earned. Um, I know there was a lot of a lot of uh, acting going on on the field with in regards to trying to draw fouls and stuff. But Hawkinson's foul in the box was legitimate. I mean, he, he got tackled from behind. He was probably going to score if he didn't get taken down. So um, that was a legitimate foul. And Kuba <laughs> scored the penalty kick. with a, He just kicked it straight down the middle. The keeper kind of decided beforehand what he was going to do. And had he just stood still, he probably would have just got kicked in the face. <laughs> That's kind of where the shot went, but he, he nailed it right down the middle and it went in. So, um, and then Akeem's goal was really was high quality. I mean, he, I think he took it on the run and put it between the keeper's legs. It was a, it was not a cheap one for sure. So they earned their two, and I thought they were playing pretty well. Um, it just looked like the legs kind of started to go a little bit, and you know the Grand Canyon match they played in 104 degree temperatures. I think Elmar said it was on Friday, so. While they did have the extra day, um, still going from playing 90 minutes, 104 degrees, uh, and then having to travel all the way across 
to Florida down to get there and then, you know, have the deal with a team that's really, you know, South Florida was 0-3 going into that match. They're at home. They're kind of desperate. So there was a lot, you know, there was a lot going on there in the second half in terms of just, you know, South Florida's urgency. So I think, you know, it says a lot about the, you know, the makeup of the team that they were able to, to withstand that barrage, um, especially coming off of a gut punch against Grand Canyon because, you know, that's a match where they really, I thought they outplayed Grand Canyon. I think the stats would show that. Uh, they just kind of gave away, um, just made a mistake. I mean, Paul Cruz came way off of his line, um, and he kind of got caught in between trying to head a ball and, you know, then trying to secure it, but he was already outside the box, so he couldn't touch it with his hands, like, and he just got caught in a bad position and couldn't recover in time to stop the only goal of the match. So it was just unfortunate, but, you know, for Creighton to recover from that and at least split the road trip, I think, is a, is a pretty good sign and probably something that, last year's team would have struggled to do. So it's probably a good sign going forward that they survived that. And then, you know, when you look at this week, they have a chance to kind of recover a little bit. They have the match with Memphis on Friday for Oktoberfest, and then they don't play again for another week, which is – and they'll still and they'll still be at home for that one too. So I think this, this schedule kind of lines up for them to, you know, to take that South Florida win and build some momentum with it. Yeah, I know you had a chance to speak with Elmar Bolovich, head coach of men's soccer – uh, after the match uh, against South Florida, what were you know? I asked you about your perceptions and your take. What you know, s- summarize for the, for our listeners, kind of what Elmar's thoughts were after the match. I don't think he was. I don't think he was happy with the defensive performance. I think he thought, and he put it bluntly, that it was their worst defensive performance of the of the season so far. Um, he just thought they were really sloppy, and you know, and they didn't. You know, they didn't, they didn't clear the ball very well. They kind of created more dangerous chances out of their sloppy play than maybe South Florida had earned with their attacking. Um, so he was a little disappointed in that. But at the same time, he kind of felt like that was, uh, you know, had a, a, had fatigue had a little bit to do with that because they have been so sharp defensively this season so far. Um, so he felt like that was a blip on the radar more than a trend, if you will, um, just based on the travel and the fatigue and all the things that were wearing into them. Hmm. Um so, but I think he, I think, you know, he liked the way they started the match for sure. Um, I didn't think he thought, he thought probably they created a lot more chances to put goals away. And I know you're not going to complain about scoring twice yeah. in a fan in soccer, but it kind of felt like he thought they played well enough to get even more than that. And they did capitalize on their chances. So I think he was overall pleased that, that they were able to split that weekend. Like I said, and you know, at least bounce back from the loss because, I think the loss was probably the hardest part because if you look at the two matches, you probably would think Creighton earned the win in um, against Grand Canyon and not necessarily against South Florida. So the results don't necessarily reflect the way they played. But if you, so then when you take away that they won the match, they didn't probably deserve to win. And then they won, um, they lost the match. They did deserve to win. It kind of, you know, the results evened out in the end, I guess. So, I don't think uh, – I don't think they're too disappointed coming home now with splitting that road trip because it was going to be a tough one. They knew it going in. Meanwhile, on the other side of the Morrison Stadium uh, campus, the women's soccer team goes one and one on the weekend o- uh, overall as well. Um, they played Friday morning, right, Friday morning at Eastern Michigan. 
came up on the wrong end there and then picked up a one nothing victory against South Dakota State on Sunday. What the weekend look like for them? Uh, Friday was not good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, it, it was tough to see. It was tough because I didn't get to see the match. They didn't have a video stream, so it was tough to evaluate. But, I mean, Eastern Michigan had 25 shots, and but only like six of them were on frame. So they were just kind of just being ultra-aggressive, even recklessly. So so I don't know if that's reflective of how the match went. Um Ross Pauly thought it was it was that Creighton had a better chance to win that thing, and it didn't necessarily reflect that on paper. But he was really disappointed in the you know the focus of the team, um, specifically on the goals that they allowed. He felt like those aren't goals that they should be conceding. Um, so they, he was you know they were really fired up. They came back to Omaha, and I think the whole team he said was disappointed in the way they performed and felt like they're better than that. Um, they felt like they were better than the one and three record they had at that point. And he said, you know, they came out in training in Omaha and, you know, worked like a team that was really pissed off and, and then went out to Brookings and played the way they should play if you're going to feel that way. So they, and they scored an early goal against South Dakota state and defensively they were really, they were really sharp through 90 minutes. Um, I think, you know, shots were pretty much even between the two teams uh, but South Dakota State didn't really have anything dangerous against. Uh, they didn't really challenge uh, Katie Sullivan that much in goal. Uh, the 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 defense really did a good job of, you know, kind of snuffing out most of South Dakota State, most of most of the attacking stuff they tried to do. And I don't, you know, most of their shots came from distance. None of them were particularly dangerous, or I don't think Sullivan had to string very much to to stop any of the the stuff that they were throwing at her. So. I thought it was a pretty good performance for 90 minutes, a pretty even, consistent performance. You know, they got the early goal. They stayed aggressive, too. They didn't, you know, they didn't just sit on their heels and hope the one nothing late holds. They got it early, and they kept attacking. Um, it was kind of a back-and-forth match, but they didn't really face anything dangerous. So I think it's a good sign that the defense was able to, to stifle a team on the road and, you know, get a win. Because now they're, you know, they're sitting at 2-3 and three after this road trip here, this five-match road trip, and, they have six in their next eight matches at Morrison Stadium. So, you know, while they're under 500 right now, they have a chance to kind of build some momentum too if they can, you know, just kind of keep building and get the attack going and things like that. They have an opportunity here to kind of string off some wins. They're going to play oh, South Dakota here at home on Friday for Soctoberfest, and then they'll go to UMKC, which is a winnable match on Sunday. So, yeah, they have a chance to kind of get this thing moving a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, they've started off, like you said, on the road, only playing an exhibition um, in the middle of August here at Morrison Stadium. Obviously, they played against uh, UNO in Omaha um, a week and a half ago. But the, you know, the opportunity there is there. It's Oktoberfest, always a huge deal. A lot of energy on campus. They'll be kicking things off there at 4.30 on Friday. But you look ahead – UMKC uh, next Monday, but then, yeah, Oklahoma State, the last of their non-conference games before they jump right into conference play with Xavier and St. John's on a Sunday-Thursday combo. So uh, a lot of opportunity for Ross Pauly's team, and I know that um, you've been really impressed so far with some of the newcomers there on the squad. I I really like Aline. I know I keep talking about her, but I really like Aline Reinkober. Um I, I don't think I knew that. I, I mean, I could see the type of impact she was having just with my eyes. You know, it just felt like she was making 
making an impact, you know, with the time she has in the field. And then I kind of broke it down because she was so aggressive against South Dakota State and just creating chances. And it felt like Creighton was totally in control of the match when she was when she was in, as opposed to when she was on the bench. And and the goal they scored, uh, Kyra Hauser scored it, but uh, it was Ryan Kober who was stepping up in the in the midfield and uh, kind of deflected a pass that was just – it looked like a harmless pass, and then she got her foot on it and ended up deflecting it all the way back into into South Dakota State's box, and you know, Hauser got on the end of it and scored. So that whole play was started by her. Um, it, you know, Creighton doesn't even have a scoring chance there if she doesn't deflect that pass. So that was a big play, a big moment of the match for sure. Um, she goes to the bench towards the end of the second half or in the first half and then comes out, starts the second half and fires two shots on goal immediately in the first, like, 45 seconds or so. So um, she's she's a difference maker, I think. And, you know, as a true freshman, um, you definitely can see that she's having a big impact on on the team and, um, I think it's I broke it down when she's on the when mm-hmm. she's on the Creighton uh, is even in shots I think it's thirty four thirty four with their opposition um, and she's played two hundred and forty minutes so far and then with it, in the two hundred and ten minutes she's been on the bench uh, Creighton's been out shot forty one to eighteen so that's thirty fewer minutes and they've given up seven more shots and attempted sixteen fewer. As opposed to the thirty extra minutes they've played, they are allowing seven viewer shots. Like her, the just the impact she appears to have because you know the opposing team gets fewer chances. Creighton's more aggressive; she's more dynamic. Um, I'm just really impressed with what I see from her, and and Ross Pauly is too. He he, I mean, his eyes light up when I ask about her. So I think he has a lot of um a lot of high hopes for for that kid and just what she's able to do and. Her quick strike ability from from distance. I mean, it's really she's really dangerous from just 25, 30 yards wherever she's at. You know, she's proven she can score from there with one touch and a strike. So, um, you know, I don't want to compare her to Fabian Herbers. That's crazy, but sure. that's kind of that's kind of what he how dangerous he was. Anytime he got the ball anywhere in that area, if he could even see the goal, he was dangerous. You know what I mean? So, that's the kind of ability she has. She's very dangerous from distance. She doesn't need more than one or two touches to, to kind of get you know all the momentum she needs to put the ball on frame in a dangerous spot, and she can create for others too. So, um, she's definitely a player I'm going to keep an eye on going forward because she seems to be an impact player already, and you know just what five short matches at, at the Division One level. That sounds good. So we'll be able to see Ross Polly's team in person here at Morrison Stadium Friday as they kick off the first of two soccer matches at Morrison Stadium on Soktoberfest. Uh, they take the pitch at 4.30. The men's team, I believe, is... Uh, sorry, that was a little bit of feedback there. Men's team's at 7.30, or I guess um, a certain amount of time after the women's match, depending on any um, prolonged uh, action for Polly's team. So always going to be a good event down there. Hopefully the weather holds. It's just it's brutal right now. Not the date you when did you go to school again? I forgot when did you graduate. I graduated in two thousand three, so we were wrapping up tranquility, dude. So cool. I okay. So do you know? Do you know Richard Mulroney at all? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I watched him play. So he's coaching Memphis, so that'll be interesting. Oh, so, that's cool. Because yeah. So yeah, yeah, he so, his, so Creighton's playing his Memphis team on Friday, and then Memphis is actually going to be, um, here in town still playing. They're going to play Utah Valley State at 
Morrison Stadium, I think Saturday or Sunday. Um, just it was a little scheduling quirk. Utah Valley's playing UNO that same weekend. Okay. So kind of hang out in town and play Utah Valley for their extra non-conference match instead of, you know, them going there or Utah Valley coming to them. So crazy. Uh, so fans get the chance to see an ex uh, Creighton Blue Jay, uh, one of the one of the best Creighton Blue Jays ever, actually. Um, coach uh, Memphis twice at Morrison Stadium this weekend, so that'll be an interesting little scheduling for. That's them. wild. He can and he can go into the. Uh... The, the trophy room at Morrison and look at some of his old hardware, I'm sure, because he obviously had a lot to do with some of the trophies and plaques that are in that building. So, oh, No question about it. All right. I was trying to make a nice segue about the weather until you brought up that awesome information about about him coming back to coach, but we need some inside sports this week because it's going to be pretty nasty. And I just so happen to know that there's a big match going on. At, I guess it's called the CHI Health Center now. This is a little weird for me because I used to always just call it the Quest Center, even when it was the CenturyLink Center. Now the CenturyLink Center has been ripped off the side of the wall. The green accent light is gone. It's back to blue, I hear. And there's a new name on the walls of the Omaha Entertainment uh, Convention Center and Arena downtown. CHI Health Center, which will be the home for Thursday night's big volleyball match between the number 14 Creighton Blue Jays and the number seven Nebraska Huskers. I know there's a lot of talk about this match already. Uh, Matt, just, I guess, ahead of all of the fury that will pick up here the next couple of days, what's your take? Well, my first take on the arena is that I said CHI Center out loud twice today, and I think it rolls off pretty well, so I think I'm going to stick with that for now. CHI Center? No health? Yeah, I, think I, okay. I went CHI Center twice and like, once in an interview and once in a conversation, so I think I'm just going to stick with that until I think it's something more clever. Okay. Um, that's my first take on the arena. My second one is I'm really excited for this match, I, I but I'm, I'm excited for a different reason. Um, you know, I've seen Creighton Nebraska play. I feel like this is going to be anyone's match. I think the talent level on the floor has, has certainly evened out, and I guess that would mean it's tilting towards um, Creighton having more talent, you know, to kind of stack up with. Um, mm-hmm. There's no question that Nebraska is going to be the more talented team, certainly on paper. I mean, their recruiting classes are elite every single year, and Creighton's just jumping into that that category. So talent level will be on Nebraska's side still. I'm not going to say that Creighton's a more talented team, but I feel like this match is kind of a coin flip at this point, and that's kind of the way I expect it to play out, which gets me jacked up for the reason I'm really excited because I'm kind of curious to see what the crowd is going to be like. I just think of all the variables that go into this. I mean – this is going to be my best pitch for people to go see it, I guess. But, um, you know, I think I think, I think think highly of a sport like volleyball because of the athleticism that people that they display, um, the fast-paced nature of the game. Um, and I, I kind of I was comparing it today, I think. When you think of a kill that happens like in a first ball set where it's like bump set, spike, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Or when Jaylee Winters and Taryn Close just like, absolutely murder a ball and it, it you know it goes off of a defender or it just spikes right to the ground and like that's like a slam dunk in basketball there's that much like power and athleticism on display when it happens and there's that much momentum that goes on in the reaction by the team that did it and the reaction by the crowd that's rooting for it like it just feels like a dunk every time it happens so that's so it's kind of like a basketball game which is now happening in a basketball arena that's filled you know, for a capacity of 18,000 plus, um, 
you can drink beer there. Like, there's all sorts of things that are working in favor of this being just a gigantic crowd. And I'm hoping that it, that it, you know, kind of plays out that way. The last time they played there, Nebraska swept them. So there wasn't a lot of drama involved. That's going to be part of it. Um, but the best match I've seen in my life, uh, sporting event period, is Creighton, Kansas. And that one was five sets, extra points, um, a crowd just filled with energy and nonstop just chatter. And um, there was just a very tense match. And this thing has potential to be all time. If it, if it lives up to both teams being as evenly matched as I think they are, um, and it goes five sets and they're close and competitive, uh, and, a, and a big volleyball crowd shows up to, to root for whoever they're rooting for, I feel like this is going to be one to remember. Um, now, obviously, I don't want to write that story before it's written, but, um, you know, there still has to be a match played. But I think this one has a lot of potential to be a memorable one um, for, for both schools, really, because just because of the in-state nature of it, um, how important it is for all the, the people that enjoy volleyball in this state. And, you know, and I feel like this is an opportunity. I feel like as media members, we have an opportunity to promote this a little bit um, to kind of create an atmosphere that would be fun because you know Nebraska football didn't play a game this weekend. There's nothing to really analyze. Um, they got. I heard. Out. I heard people I at work play. today talking about the decision to uh, kick off or to accept the kick first. Like they literally were talking <laughs> about it <laughs> at work. There's one play in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I don't. Know but how I get you. No, I hear you. Like, I, it kind of reminds me of. I don't know, maybe a couple of those last Creighton-Nebraska baseball games at Rosenblatt where obviously Nebraska just had a fantastic team, but Creighton's weren't shabby either, right? And and we and it just the atmosphere was electric, but as electric as baseball can be, and baseball will always go down in my heart as my favorite sport. Um yeah. But you're talking about the pace difference. But the pace is so different. Yeah, I mean, it can be exciting, but it could also be, like, very still and very chill. And there's nothing chill or still about volleyball, especially when you get two really good teams together in a rivalry. And, you know, there's going to be, obviously, a ton of Husker fans. But it's not like the Jays don't pack uh, Sokol Arena. And it's not like they haven't had, you know, months to buy tickets for this. So throw some students in there in the mix and both teams being um, extremely talented, and it should be great. Yeah. I just think, uh, you know, it's the first time Creighton and Nebraska have met as top 15 teams, and I think it's in a sport that has a lot of excitement potential. So that's what I mean. I feel like if people show up, they're going to get their money's worth is what I'm kind of, And it's not even like tickets are that expensive. Like, I think, you know, basketball tickets are maybe three times what I'm hearing the prices for volleyball are. So, um, you know, I think I've heard tickets are like $10 or something like that. So, it's not like you have to break the bank to go out to this thing. Um, and I feel like it's going to live up. I do. I really, I mean, I just think the talent level is like evened out a little bit to where you're not necessarily, I think Nebraska will be favored. Obviously they're highly, they're, they're the higher ranked team and they're the reigning national champs and all that. So they'll be favored as they deserve to be. But I don't think it's one of those things where you feel like the result is already a foregone conclusion and Creighton's going to have to play over their heads to, you know, to compete. I think it's going to be something that people, if it lives up to it on the court, people will not forget it. That's just the way I feel like it has. I feel like it has that type of potential just because of the sport itself. You know what I mean? It just has so much, has so much excitement potential. Like there's easy, it's easier to remember moments and things like that. I can still remember moments of, 
of that Kansas match. You know what I mean? And you've heard me say this more than one time. Um, but that's the most exciting sporting event I've ever been a part of. And think of how many, I'm not trying to brag, but think of how many sporting events I've been to for crying out loud. Right. In my life, like that one is number one by a long shot, even over the Creighton Villanova game that we just had this last winter. You know what I mean? Sure. That one, that one was an all timer for sure. Don't you think? Yeah. But I mean, you're one, uh, uh, DiVincenzo free throw away from just putting out way as another game that the blue Jays blew down the stretch, you know, I mean, very Bryant way to look at it. Right. Hey, I was standing on my chair in section 123, throwing my arm out of its socket with a head cold that afternoon. So I know all about, I know all about how exciting that, that game was, but yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. What? Are the chairs at the CHI Center good for standing on? I don't know. Hopefully they've got some medical attention in the building at that point now yeah, with the yeah. with the sponsorship. But, uh, um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I know we've already kind of glossed over what the Jays did this weekend, but obviously didn't lose a didn't lose a set down in Dallas. They handled Arkansas State, North Carolina State, and SMU uh, in, in, in sweeps, all three matches. But – um, not sure if you got to watch any of that or not, or what the streaming was like for that event map, but I mean, just level set for folks. Those aren't exactly USC and Northern Iowa and Kentucky at that classic, but ahead of this week, which features Nebraska and then Iowa state and Wichita state coming to Omaha, um, kind of juxtapose those two, um, setups there where you're on the road in Dallas and then you're coming home and you've got some big time competition. Yeah, I think this tournament this weekend coming up or this week coming up is definitely, I mean, the three matches they have, I guess you should say, um, the uh, Nebraska game isn't part of that tournament, but mm-hmm. um, I, it's definitely a tougher tournament just because the, the, the familiarity the teams have with Creighton and, you know, Wichita State, I don't think, I don't, they're not a better program than Creighton is, but they do things that just for some, whatever reason, matchup-wise, give Creighton problems. Um, so they've kind of had their number the last couple of years. They, they, they beat them down in Wichita, um, in a match that Lydia Dimpy, Dimpy sprained her ankle. And, you know, I, I, that wasn't a match where I felt like the wrong team won. Wichita felt like the better team on the floor, just watching that whole thing. I felt like Creighton was constantly playing catch up. Um, and you know, in volleyball, it's really hard to switch that up when you feel like you're playing from behind the whole time. So, uh, Wichita was definitely in control of that thing even before Lydia got hurt, so that's not really an excuse for Creighton. And then the year before, <coughs> excuse me, the year before that Creighton was up 2-0 in Ames um, in year one of this tournament, they were up 2-0 in Ames and blew that lead and lost in five to Wichita to open the season. So they're, they're, it's just it's just one of those matchups. Wichita does things that just bother, um, you know, what Creighton likes to do style-wise and stuff like that. So it's going to be a challenge on Sunday to wrap this tournament up and then Iowa State, I don't think – they're like K-State in that regard because, you know, when Creighton and Kansas State get together, it's usually always pretty close. This exhibition this year was an exception to that. Um, but when Creighton and Iowa State get together, you can pretty much, you know, clear your schedule for two and a half hours to three hours because <laughs> they're probably going to play five sets. That's just the way those those matches have gone. Um, so that's going to be a tough one, and that's the day after Creighton plays Nebraska. So, um when you hear Kirsten Bernthal Booth say she's worried about three matches this weekend, it's not just her trying to avoid giving Nebraska bulletin board material. Um, this really is a challenging weekend for them. They're back at home, but 
they're four and two because you know they dropped the two matches out in LA, um, and I don't think they want to start the home stand off on a rough, you know, have a rough go of it. So they really have to be on their A game uh, for three teams that you know can show up and beat them on any day. So these these are teams that are typically teams you don't want to face in December when the NCAA tournament rolls around. They're really good programs. Um, they're really well coached. They're really talented. Uh, so Creighton's going to be really sharp all you know three of the next four days to to make sure they're up to the task. I know we mentioned basketballs off this past weekend. Um, before we go tonight, just want you level set for folks about what the what's going on around the program right now. I know we talked about uh, the offer that they gave um, last time we podcasted, um, but what's the time frame look like right now as as guys are getting back in the swing of things and ahead of uh, you know uh, training camp, I guess officially starting here in about a month. Well, right now they're you know they're just they're they're going through uh, team workouts, but it's more individual in nature in terms of what they're working on. Um, you know, they're not doing they haven't done much five on five yet or any physical contact. They're they're just kind of sharpening the skills a little bit, doing a lot of shooting drills, a lot of ball handling drills, and you know, I think I think finishing is probably one thing that's been emphasized a lot. But in fact, two things that have been emphasized a lot this off season um, with the addition of Paul Lusk has been. Just on-ball defense, and um, you know he's kind of spearheading that, and um, finishing, you know, at the rim and through contact and things like that. They really feel like that's kind of a huge difference in their in how their seasons are ending. Just you know, all the points they're kind of leaving on the floor uh, with not being able to finish through contact and not being able to finish strong. So that's been a huge emphasis this whole off season. Uh, when you look at um, when you when you watch those workouts, because I mean, it's not like one, I mean one layup missed, they're running. That's pretty much how strict it's been, um, and they've been doing that since the season ended. They've been doing workouts like that. So, you know, Preston Murphy and Al Huss and those guys are really have really been on top of the team. Um, they're pretty well conditioned, I'll tell you that. So, every time they miss one, they have to they have to run. So, um, that's been a huge thing they've been working on is just trying to be stronger and more consistent at finishing those type of plays. Um, but that's pretty much what they're working on right now. They won't get into any team stuff, like I said, until um, until practice rolls around. And the other objective for them right now is just to get healthy because they have a you know a lot of nagging injuries, a lot of things they're trying to get over. Um, obviously, Martin Crample's recovering from ACL surgery. He looks pretty good. Um, I think we said um, he was just cleared for non-contact last week, so he's been full well in all these drills since then. Um, Christian Bishop's getting back in the mix of things. Marcus Zagorowski's getting back in the mix. Mitch Ballack, all those guys that kind of had nagging injuries that limited their participation during the summer. You know, those guys are kind of getting back up to speed and um, getting all the kinks worked out so that way they can kind of hit the ground running when practice starts and um, not having to miss any major time. Okay, so what's your favorite part about Soctoberfest before we go tonight? Ooh, man, my experience is so much different than everybody else's. I, I I'm really going to be bad at this. You should probably answer that one. Well, I mean, do they get you guys, like, Soctoberfest-themed food in the press box or anything for, for that event? I would imagine, like, they got some sort of sausages they can throw up there or something like that. No, and actually, I opened, I opened my big mouth around Tim Callahan, too, who's the one who provides all the wonderful goodies for us all year. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, he doesn't. he wasn't really happy with me going hard at runza so i think he's going to give me runza <laughs> yeah, i love it he's got I love that, it 
keeps threatening me with Runza for the pregame meal, and I'm not looking forward to the day he actually lives up to that. So I feel like that's coming in my future, and, I, and I'm and i kind of thinking it's going to be for Oktoberfest. It's a doubleheader, and I'll have no choice. But, yeah, so uh, that's that's my big mouth getting me in, getting me in trouble there. But, that's um, awesome. Honestly, the chicken tenders mac and cheese thing, they – People think Godfathers and Creighton are kind of sick of it, but every now and then when you go to a men's soccer match, the pregame spread is chicken tenders and mac and cheese. So we get lucky every now and then. That's something that people don't know. So that's probably like the biggest, I guess, uh, media spread that we get. Okay. But good, though. I'm not going to lie. The chicken tenders and mac and cheese is a good deal. So whenever they break that out, it's a... they know, you know, they're in a good mood. Just text me. I'll bring James and Connor up to the booth. They'll, they'll <laughs> dig it. That's, 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 that's every night at our house, Matt. So, or maybe I should be inviting you over to eat. Absolutely. We'll man. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, we want to thank script town brewing for their sponsorship tonight. Um, no interviews this week. Obviously all of our student athletes and coaches were out of, uh, out of the state this week, but we'll have, we'll have plenty of good coverage and, and good sound bites and everything after this week when men's soccer women's soccer back in town volleyball obviously a huge match thursday night against nebraska and then not exactly uh not exactly a, a cupcake letdown over the weekend against iowa state and wichita state too so make sure everybody listening here follows matt demarinas on twitter uh during the whole weekend because he'll be as many of these matches as he can possibly be at um, and then all of the other WBR social accounts for our following and our coverage on the weekend as well. We'll have some photographers there at the events this weekend. Um, should be uh, hopefully weather weather uh, weather permitting. It's Oktoberfest and everything else this weekend will go off without a hitch. Uh, volleyball will certainly happen at the newly christened CHI Health Center on Thursday night. So if you don't have your tickets yet for that, make sure you get those. Head down, support that team. Uh, in what hopes to be uh, or what promises to be a very electric environment down there and uh, and root on the Blue Jays. Anything else to add, Matt, before we cruise tonight? No, I think I've rambled enough. Pretty good. All right. For Matt DeMarinas, I'm Brian Ott signing off and saying good night and go Jays.